You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Today's episode is about branding yourself as a yoga teacher, which is kind of a weird oxymoron, but necessary in today's world if you're trying to make a living teaching yoga. As yoga teachers and as business owners, there are so many moving parts for us to juggle. Sometimes the big picture work of creating a cohesive brand for our business gets overwhelmed with the day-to-day tasks of actually running our business. On the flip side, it's also easy to get overly caught up with creating a brand before you even know yourself as a teacher, and more importantly, know and understand your students. If you find yourself creating inspiration boards, choosing brand colors, and agonizing over a logo before you've done any market research, please go back and listen to episode 43, The Foundations of a Yoga Business. Personally, I advocate a sane approach to branding. I don't want you to go out and spend a whole ton of money as a brand new teacher, and I also don't want you to completely neglect this angle of your business. My guest today, Miranda Peterson, understands the struggle from both ends. She is both a yoga teacher and also a branding and digital marketing professional. She also happens to be one of my most motivated and successful coaching clients. In today's episode, we go over what yoga teachers need to know in order to be effective and strategic in their branding. We start by discussing what the heck branding even is and how it's different from marketing, graphic design, and PR. Then we jump into the nitty gritty. Miranda shares the most common mistakes she sees yoga teachers make, how to decide whether to DIY or hire, some tips to get started, and the number one most important principle to consider in your branding. She covers a ton of info in this episode, so she also created a download with the highlights of everything she teaches in today's episode, including also some extra info that we didn't have time to discuss. If you're an email subscriber, the link to that will be in your inbox the same day this episode releases, and if you're not a subscriber yet, you can get on the list by going to teachingyoga.net slash join. Let's jump into the conversation. Miranda, welcome to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Thanks, Mado. For those of you who don't know, Miranda is one of my long-term coaching clients and just an all-around amazing, badass businesswoman. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely need to know about. The things that she's been putting together are just incredible. So she has two businesses. She has a yoga and hiking business called Namaste in Nature. And she's been getting some incredible PR. Of course, her, we'll talk about branding today and her branding is really on point and that's our topic today, but she's also becoming a PR queen. Her other hat that she wears is digital media design. So she does websites, videos. You tell me more. What else do you do for your clients? Yeah, kind of anything creative, logos, um, photography, video editing, web design, even writing and editing, just kind of anything that is creative. For our topic today, 
let's get into a little bit of definitions. What is branding? What does this term mean? Branding is like a visual or tangible representation of you, your products, or your services. And this can include photography, colors, kind of the voice and tone of your communication, uh, your social media, your website, your logo, just kind of anything that represents you in your absence because you can't be everywhere at every time. And help us understand what the difference is between branding and these other aspects of marketing, like graphic design and even PR. Where where do they all fit together in the scheme and why should yoga teachers pay attention to their branding? Branding is kind of the overall umbrella and all of these things, graphic design, marketing, PR, social media, it all kind of fits underneath that term of branding and marketing, graphic design, social media. These are all kind of tools that you can use to support yourself, your products, your services, and is all part of the branding. And this really matters for yoga teachers because as we all know, the yoga market is pretty saturated these days. So it's really important to stand out and you want to make sure you're sending the right message to the right people. Um, A lot of times, if you don't have a a background in marketing, um, you know, going to school for it or learning it online, um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, my, my target is everyone. And I'm sure you, you work with your clients a lot on this, really drilling down into who your target market is and what message you want to convey to them. Another great reason is you want a return on investment for your yoga teacher training. You know, we invest so much time and energy and money into our training. Uh, we want to kind of make a return on that. And you know, it's, it's really hard to, to stand out these days. Americans are exposed to over 5,000 ads per day, whether they realize it or not. You know, most of those ads don't even register. So to break through all of that clutter and that noise is really important to kind of make you and your voice heard. So would it be fair to say that branding is about the vision and the feeling that you want to convey about your business? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really great if you can kind of narrow it down to an elevator pitch and really get clear on what your mission and your vision is. So for example, with Namaste Nature, it's transformational yoga, hiking and medita- meditation experiences in nature. And so people, you know, you can use that little elevator pitch and people know what it is. You brought up niche a little bit ago, and that reminded me that you've been on the podcast before. And that was an episode we were talking about niche. When you and I first started working together, you, with your background in design and your background in marketing, you absolutely had a ton of education about niche and about the importance of getting really clear and narrow. But the first time that we sat down to do it, you, you struggled a bit. Tell me a little bit about what that was like from your perspective. Yeah. I mean, when we first started, even with all of that training experience, uh, I still had this really, you know, kind of close up view and I was all over the place and I was experimenting and I was trying different things, trying to see what was working. I, I wasn't super clear. It really took kind of talking with you and getting that outside perspective. And then it was all, all of a sudden like a light bulb went off. I was like, of course, that's my target market, you know? And it was also challenging because 
there aren't a lot of benchmarks for yoga and hiking. And I was like, oh, should I make it more like a studio with the pricing and the target? And, um, you know, or should it be more like a hiking tour? Because it's kind of this weird gray area that's a little bit of both. And I thought it was going to be one target market, which was all younger people um, just wanting to come and kind of get pretty pictures for Instagram. But it turns out it was this whole more diverse market of women in transition anywhere from their 20s up to, you know, 60s and 70s and retired, which I've been super happy about. So kind of working with you and getting clear on that niche made my branding and my PR, my marketing communication made that all easier and more focused and streamlined. Oh, I love that. And I love what you said about how what you thought was the niche was not 100% accurate, that you had to go back and you looked at the data. And that's something that you and I have worked on a lot because mm-hmm. sometimes the data can be overwhelming. I recently did a podcast specifically on that, on measuring whatever it is that we can measure so that we're, we do want to operate from intuition, but intuition isn't foolproof. And there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of ways that our brain can trick us into thinking that fear is the same as intuition. And so I find it really helpful to have data to back up intuition. Oh, totally. I kind of see it as Shiva and Shakti, right? Like Shakti is like the creativity and um, the energy and all of the like visual fun stuff that you're putting out there to represent your brand and yourself. And then Shiva is more like the data and analytics to back that up and to kind of see what's working. So I think you definitely need both. So what I get the sense is that when we talk about branding, that it feels a little bit abstract, for some people, and maybe especially for yoga teachers who are not as educated in all of these topics, and there's a lot of jargon flying around. So I'd love to really get practical and and simple. And maybe we could start with some of the mistakes that you see yoga teachers making with their branding, because sometimes that can help clarify what it is and what it isn't, and Mm -hmm. how, how yoga teachers can use these concepts in a more skillful way. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to just point out first that it's a process. It's not like you're going to finish your teacher training and within a week be like, okay, here's my brand. It's done. It takes some time to experiment and to get some practice teaching, see what resonates with you, see what resonates with your audience. And I think that's where kind of working with you and um, determining a niche and a target really comes into play. Um, and it might take a little bit of time and experimentation with your, your branding to see what works for you. But some kind of common mistakes are one, you know, kind of like too much info or it's unclear or it's all over the place. Um, if you're throwing too much at your audience, especially maybe on social media or in you know, one, one single post or one single flyer, they can be like, oh, I don't know what the purpose of this is. You know, there's just too much information here or, um, you know, they don't know what the call to action is. Like, what do you want me to do? You're saying all these things. And so then if, if they're kind of overwhelmed with too much or unclear information, then they're just going to kind of blow past it and, and not register it. So what I'm hearing is that we want to focus on simplicity and clarity. Mm-hmm. And anytime we put together a piece of content and content could be a social media post, it could be an email, it could be a video, even for me, for example, and for you, this podcast episode is content. 
ideally you're going to pick just one message or one overarching message. We better do that, Miranda, because we haven't figured out what the one message is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, that's what we preach. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll pick simplicity and clarity. Let's have that be our, our one overarching message. And we'll, we'll come back to that several yeah. more times, I think, throughout the conversation. Mm -hmm. But that's even easier to do if you have a social media post. Ask yourself, what is the intention behind this? Do I want my audience to feel a certain way? Do I want them to take an action? What do I, what do I actually want to have happen when somebody consumes this content? Absolutely. And there's so many different things, especially with uh, social media posts, um, since we're kind of talking about that, you can either, you don't want to just push all of the, you know, classes and all of the things you're doing all the time. You want to mix it up with some personal things about you and engaging with the audience, maybe asking some questions and getting some feedback and, um, you know, kind of mixing it up, but all kind of keeping it under that same umbrella and, you know, seeing what's working, kind of tracking how people respond to it and doing more of what works. So as some examples of this, sometimes we see when yoga teachers send out emails to their students, they have articles in there. They have like post of the week, which usually ends up being post of the month or post of the quarter because it's really mm -hmm. hard <laughs> to consistently send out these really big, long newsletters. And then you have like your whole class schedule and when somebody opens up that email, it's really difficult for them to know what's the intention behind this email. What, what does my yoga teacher, why did they, why did they send this to me? What do they really want me to do or get out of this? Yeah. It, like you said, if there's too many options, it's just overwhelming. If it's like, come to this class and come to this retreat and, and read this article and, um, you know, hire me to do this. And hire, if you have, you know, 6,000 things in one email, people are like, whoa, uh, I don't know where to go with that. And also sometimes I think keeping it kind of simpler and more direct. Sometimes I see a lot of pictures and words in posts or emails that kind of might not connect with the audience. Maybe it's a little too esoteric or too flowery. And, um, you know, it's great if your target is people who've been practicing for a long time and understand you know, Sanskrit and understand kind of more advanced concepts. But if you're a newer teacher or you're working with newer students or just kind of like the general population, I think keeping it really simple and clear and direct rather than, and, and that's kind of how to stand out versus, you know, trying to write tons and tons. That's great for blog posts, um, but for, you know, branding and communications, I think keeping it really clear and concise and direct is definitely the way to go. And that really comes back to the niche because you have to know who it is you're talking to in mm -hmm. order to pick the right language that's going to be clear for them. Definitely. You know, for example, on this podcast, I'm talking to yoga teachers. So there's certain jargon that I can use on this podcast that they're really going to get, like say, set an intention. I can say that and, and they're going to immediately know what I'm talking about. Whereas if we're using marketing jargon, we kind of have to explain that. So I have, an, I have a side question for you and I'm just kind of throwing this at you. So it's okay if you don't mm -hmm. have, <laughs> if you don't have an exact answer, but you went through this process with your, the emails you were sending out in the mm -hmm. beginning, when you and I first started working together, you were sending out more newsletter type emails with a lot of different content and you were not sending them out very frequently because there were a lot of work. Am I yes. remembering this correctly? Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then, and then 
So we worked together to create a system for you. So now you're sending out one email every single week. Am I right about that too? Yes. And that email generally has one purpose. Yes. What is the change or the results that you've seen through that? (laughs) Well, the best is I think a higher open rate and a higher click-through rate for sure, using a little bit more of the jargon, but basically meaning people are engaging more with it. And it's just like quick bite-sized emails. They know what to expect and when to expect it. And on top of that, I've actually had people reach out to me and say, I love your emails. Like, can you do that for me and my company or my brand? So I have a couple clients that I'm now guiding them on how to create content and create emails and create social media for their own brands as well. That's awesome. And it's easier on me too. It's easier on me because I know what to expect. I'm like, Hey, I don't have to shove everything into one single email and stress myself out. I just, you know, it's little bite-sized pieces for me and bite-sized pieces for the audience as well. You've created a rhythm. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing coming back to that feeling of being overwhelmed and feeling like you need to do everything right away. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in the beginning, yes, it's a lot of work to learn how to create content regularly, but the only way that we get fast at it is by doing it consistently. Oh, totally. And I think just being gentle with yourself and being curious, just experimenting with different things to see what resonates with you and what resonates with your audience. Cause ultimately you want to be authentic. You don't want to just kind of copy what everyone else is doing. You want it to really reflect you and your personality and what you have to offer and why you're different. Mm, I love that. Why you're different. So important. So what else? And I think you have a, a couple more mistakes that you see happening over and over and that would really help yoga teachers with their branding to just clean up these mistakes? Yeah. So I think sometimes I've seen posts and flyers and advertisements that are kind of hard to read. Maybe there's text on top of a photo or an image or, um, you know, there's just too many colors and too many fonts going on. And sometimes uh, when you're first starting out, uh, the idea to be creative is like, oh, I'll use a ton of different things, but it kind of just becomes, uh, a mess, kind of like visually overwhelming with too many things going on. So I think even keeping it simple, just black and white, maybe like a simple photo, not using too much text on top of photos, just make it really easy and clear to see. And that will you know help it stand out from people that are doing the other thing. And another thing is keeping your website, blog, social media, and things up to date. Like I've referred people to other yoga teacher friends before that, you know, the schedule on their website's not up to date, or they have a bunch of retreats and things that have already happened, and you can no longer sign up for. And that's, you know, a little bit sloppy, a little bit confusing for people when they go to your website, they're like, Oh, well, this isn't up to date. So it kind of turns people off from coming back to that or engaging with you or people, you know, start a blog and their last post was three years ago. And (laughs) so you're like, Oh, well, what's going on now? So I think just kind of keeping everything up to date and accurate and really using your online presence and your branding to bring more people to you and engage with people. I think if you like inactive social media too, don't have a Facebook and a, so and a Instagram and Twitter just to have it. If you're not going to, you know, update it and engage with people, you want to really use what you're going to use on a regular basis and what resonates with your target audience, like what they're using. So it keeps coming back to this simplicity 
because one of the things that happens, I think too, is that for example, with the website, we will have this grand vision for a website. We'll make it really complicated. We'll have a, a pretty ambitious goal and then we won't be able to follow through. I think the best advice would be to keep it super, super simple as keep simplifying in the beginning and then add layers of complexity. Once you feel like you really have a handle on the most simple format and version of your branding. I think again, kind of like with your, your practice, it's always a work in progress. It's not like you have your website and okay, okay, now it's done forever. It's always going to constantly evolve and change. Uh, along with your practice and absolutely keeping it simple. Again, if you try to shove too many things into the website and send people all over the place, um, they're going to get confused or frustrated and just kind of give up. You want to communicate everything clearly and simply. Many yoga teachers are not so fond of digital media, not so fond of social media you know, we, we get into this not because we want to have a digital marketing business. We get into this because we want to teach yoga. We want to impact people's lives. So then when it, you know, we have these conversations about different ways to promote and support our teaching, it can be really overwhelming. It might be very tempting to just pay somebody else to do it all. So let's talk a bit about how to decide what to hire out and what to do yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, both are definitely options. You can absolutely kind of do it yourself and learn as you go, especially if you've already been using social media for a while, if you, um, you know, are more comfortable with things, navigating things online. Um, and if you're just starting out and you're not sure exactly what you need or, or what you want, I would definitely kind of, experiment, but slowly kind of become more consistent over time. And obviously, if you're doing it yourself, it kind of takes more time than money. So if you have more time to spend on this and do the exploration, absolutely do it. And we can talk about some tools for that. Um, and then if you'd like to hire someone, I'd recommend that if you're kind of more experienced in teaching, you've kind of gotten into your groove, you know what kind of more what your brand is and what you offer and who you're speaking to. And, you know, this is if you have maybe a little bit more money to spend and um, you're spending more time teaching and you want someone to help you develop the the creative part of your brand and establish the website and kind of take the next step. Or if you have no idea what to do or where to start, maybe um, if you know, not to be stereotypical, but sometimes older generations have had some clients that are older and kind of starting teaching yoga or starting a business. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. So I think that's a good place to hire someone because, you know, like we've talked about you, maybe you don't need Instagram and Facebook and a logo and all of these things that are part of a brand. You know, every brand is different and unique to each person. If you have a limited budget, how would you prioritize which things to get help with first? I think that really depends on what your goal is. So if your goal is to, you know, establish a mailing list and, and bring more people to your classes and just engage with people more, um, you know, maybe you focus on that. If your goal is to 
you know, there's a lot of competition in your area and they're all on Instagram and they're all on Facebook and you're just like, how do I keep up with all these other people? Then maybe that's where you start. And, um, you know, kind of like we talked about who you want to reach and what you want to say and, and what your goal is. So I think it's really important to be clear on your goals. Do you want people to attend your retreats? Do you want people to, to attend your classes? Do you want people to um, just engage with you and get to know you better? And ultimately, you know, which is kind of hard for yoga teachers to talk about sometimes, ultimately the goal is to make a living and make some money off of this and get a return on your, your investment of time and money. I want to take a little tangent into social media because this, this whole concept of hiring somebody to do social media, I think it's difficult because the social media accounts that really are successful tend to be run by the actual individual. And actually, this is something that you and I have talked about. You've told me about how you're trying to be more visible, more the face of your brand because that is what people respond to. And that is what sometimes when we're talking about social media, we talk about the algorithms, right? The computer programs that decide which posts get seen the most. And really the algorithms though are determined based on user behavior. So they're determined based on the people who first, like the few people who see your post first, do they like it? Do they click? Do they comment? Do they, you know, do they engage in some way? And it's difficult to get somebody from the outside to create content that is compelling and personal and engaging enough to, to have that response. I totally agree. And I really struggled with that at first. Um, I, I think the main thing I've learned is like, you are your brand. And I kind of already knew that, but I was really scared to put myself out there. Like I said, I struggled with that. I, I felt like it was kind of an ego thing. Like, oh, I don't want to make it all about me. And I had my logo as my uh, Facebook and Instagram kind of like bio picture. And I learned along the way that people really do want to connect with you know, a person, unless you're a huge brand that's existed and everybody knows who you are, like, you know, say Nike or Apple or something like that. Um, if, if you are the main part of your brand, then you have to put yourself out there and make people aware of that. And it can be really kind of vulnerable and scary. And so that's where I think the experimenting and, and seeing what feels right and definitely playing with it a little bit yourself or maybe even journaling. Like if you're not comfortable putting, make it, making it public yet journaling or writing things out privately or talking with a coach or a consultant to kind of figure out, or if you're not even sure, like how you come off to other people, you might have one perception of how you appear or how people kind of interpret you, but it, it might be different from another perspective. That's where working with you was really great because I thought I was appealing to this one group of people and that my brand was this one thing. But based on my own experiences, once we talked about that a little bit more, I was like, oh, like here's some things I've experienced that I can share that people will relate to and connect with. If you are thinking about hiring somebody to help you with social media, I would be really, really picky about it. Look at some examples of their work and notice if there's any kind of emotional component. Like, are they capable of, you know, it's going to have to be a partnership. You can't yeah. expect that you're just going to hand off your social media a hundred percent. You can get help, but 
unless that person comes to you and, and gets content ideas from you, in general, you're going to have to have some participation in it. I, I think that's a maybe a, a misconception that people have about social media that they can just hand it off. And actually, a lot of people have that same misconception about websites that you can just be like, hey, build me a website, but what's on the website is content. And that content cannot be created by somebody who doesn't understand your business in a really, really deep way. Absolutely. It's not just one size fits all. So if you do want to work with someone, I would definitely talk with them on the phone, if not in person. Um, I've worked with a lot of different yoga teachers and, and yoga brands. Um, we've done like yoga and nutrition and um, I've worked with the Asheville Yoga Festival. And it's really important to kind of get to know that person and make sure it's the right fit and that they understand what you're trying to communicate. And I have one client where we have a call every week and, you know, we talk through a bunch of different things and I take notes and I say, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. This is what it sounds like is, you know, what, where you're trying to go with this. And this sounds like it could work for your brand. And she's like, yes, exactly. So definitely having an ongoing dialogue. It's not like you just type everything up and then hand it off. And there's kind of an easy, like five step kind of process that can help you with branding and social media. Um, number one, like we've said, determine your niche, um, kind of what, what makes you different, which would be a great session with you. Um, two is to find visual inspiration. So you can use Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, Dropbox, just kind of find examples of what you like that would maybe be inspirational or similar, not copying it exactly, but you know, this can be colors or photography style or a certain way somebody talks or um, writes out their posts or their emails. Um, then you kind of want to brainstorm either, you know, with yourself, ideally with another person, because when you have two people going back and forth, you just get that amazing dynamic of like feeding off of each other's ideas and inspiration. And then the fourth thing is to do it at the end of the day. You just have to like get over the fear and do it. Uh, post your social media, create your ads, create your flyers. Um, and then, like you said, kind of do more of what works. Use the analytics to figure out what's working, what people are responding to. This can be likes, this can be comments, this can be clicks, um, all those kinds of things and do more of what works. So you make sure you're not like putting in all this effort and it's not having the intended effect. Mm, really great, great process. I love it. That's so, so clear. You know, I want to highlight that most important part, do it, just do it and don't be a perfectionist mm -hmm. about it. Let, let things go out imperfectly. I have a really hard time with that. I know you have a hard time with that too, Yes. but over time, your, your imperfect gets better and better and better, but it won't if it's just sitting there in the inbox waiting for perfection. Yeah. And I have a really great book. If you've ever heard of Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, oh, such a fantastic book about creativity. And I love what she says about, you know, done is better than perfect. You know, you can write the ideal book, make the, the perfect post, um, write the perfect email, but if it never goes out, then no one's ever going to see it. So, so yeah, I really recommend uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert if you want to get more in touch with your, your creativity. She also wrote Eat, Pray, Love. I, I will definitely check that. I, I have not read that book yet, but I am putting it on my list right now and I'll <laughs> put it in the show notes also. Yay. I hope that as we're talking about this, that this is demystifying branding a bit and making it feel accessible and doable. But, you know, 
just keep coming back to make progress, take a step forward. Don't try to do it all at once and don't try to be perfect about it. I think that's really um, super, super important and key advice there. Yeah. And I think kind of focusing more on yourself and it can be hard to compare yourself online to other yoga teachers or other yoga studios. Um, but you don't know how long they've been working on their own brand. You know, some of the people that are huge and have all these followings, um, you know, they've been teaching for years and they've been online and had websites and had social media for years. And they, you know, at, at one point they started where you are now, they just started out and they took a risk and they just kept going with it and, you know, just get better and they just get better and better at it over time. Kind of like you would tell your students, like, don't compare yourself to the person next to you. You know, everybody is different. Every journey is different. Um, and everyone's at a different stage in that process. And they're just all figuring it out for themselves. Let's finish up by sharing some prompts that yoga teachers can use, some questions they can ask themselves and journal about to really start to get dive down into the heart of what their business stands for, what they stand for as a teacher, and the message that they want to put out there into the world. Number one is what are your strengths and your interests and what would you just really, what could you do forever? What could you keep doing over and over and over and, you know, not get tired of and not get burnt out with? So maybe you're really good at getting people to relax or um, maybe you're really good at inspiring people and energizing people to take action. And that can be reflected both in your yoga classes and within your branding through use of, you know, colors, maybe use reds, oranges, and yellows for like energy and high energy and excitement or, um, you know, using greens and blues and purples for cooling or relaxation, um, like more of a yin practice. So, um, you know, really figuring out your strengths, interests, and what you want to communicate to people. Also, uh, like what challenges have you overcome in your life? Have you gone through a divorce or an unhealthy relationship? Have you, you know, gone through a sickness and come out on the other side? What, what um, can you share with other people that other people have, have gone through and that you can help them kind of work through these situations through yoga and, and meditation and through your business and through your strengths and your talents? And what would you like to see changed in the yoga world? I think that's kind of what we've been talking about the whole time too, is don't just do what everyone else is doing. Uh, kind of like Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. Take action. And if there's things that bug you about the current kind of overall perception or industry of yoga, then work to change it. And people, I think, will resonate with that. Whenever, I know when I've taken some risks sometimes, I'm like, oh, I'm like so scared. Like what how are people going to react to this? And knowing that you can't control people's reactions, only kind of what you do and what you put out there um, and trying not to make assumptions and <laughs> trying not to, um, you know, get too worked up about how people reply to it. But I've always been surprised, like people really respond to vulnerability and authenticity and, you know, once you just really get clear on what you want and don't feel weird or icky, like even with my marketing background, I felt really weird about branding and marketing and putting myself out there. And 
feeling like, oh, you know, do I really get deserve to get paid for what I'm doing? And, you know, am I really worthy of of having my voice heard? And the answer is yes. You know, everybody is worthy of like taking up space and and having their voice heard and putting their creativity and their like love and their energy out into the world and seeing who resonates with that. Mm, Yeah. So true. I remember really recently you put a super vulnerable post up on Instagram and you have a photo, had a photograph of yourself and you were Mm -hmm. crying and it was like, (laughs) it was a real uh, scroll stopper because there was such genuine emotion on your face that I couldn't, I mean, of course, because it was you, I wouldn't have kept scrolling anyway, but <laughs> I, like, I, I, I felt this urge, like I had to stop and see what this was because it was a dose of real on my feed that, you know, there's a limited amount of that. Yeah. And that was kind of the intention behind that. And I was terrified, believe me. I was like, oh, like, and it even took me a couple of days to even put it out there. But I was like, well, if I don't do it, then I'll never know, you know, what happened. And um, I had had all these other pictures, you know, branding and social media online can tend to be curated or contrived to only show the best parts. And that's kind of the downside is people are, you know, comparing themselves to people who are only showing the highlight reels of their lives. And it's so refreshing to just be honest and put it out there and be like, every day is not perfect. And I think as yoga teachers, we feel that pressure even more because we've done the training and we are, you know, instructors or teachers that we're supposed to have everything together and we don't. (laughs) And it's okay to show that and share that. And I think people will actually resonate more with that. I got so many comments from people I didn't even know um, in addition to people, people I did know, but just the response of people saying, I've been there too, you know, I hope, you know, you'll get through this. And it was just, it felt really authentic. Whereas in the past I've been really, um, like annoyed or frustrated or, uh, stuck on social media feeling like I didn't know who I was or what I was doing. And that's really the only way to figure it out is to do it and keep doing it. Well, you're an inspiration for me on that. I'm definitely still working on it. I feel like I practice the authenticity piece mostly in the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group and on this podcast. So those are a little bit more, like a little bit of a more closed container. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm inspired by you to, to keep pushing my edges in that regard. Yay. Miranda, you are creating um, a little guide for people so that they have access to the information that we discussed today, right? Mm -hmm. And some of it is even bonus information that we weren't able to get to today. Mm -hmm. So you can get that by signing up for my email list if you aren't yet a member teachingyoga.net slash join is the place to go. And you'll have access to that branding guide and also all the other bonus resources for different podcast episodes whenever we've created bonus content. And Miranda has also created a special offer for getting her help individually if you would like a branding consultation. So Miranda, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I've been doing marketing and branding for over a decade. I was in the corporate world, working in an ad agency and then in-house for Whole Foods Market. 
and then got burnt out and went to India, did my yoga training and came back. So that's kind of my, my background. And I, the main reason I left the corporate world was A, just the stress and the toll on my health and the work-life balance, but B, I just, I wanted to help more people and I could do that just kind of freelancing and consulting on my own. So yeah, I can, I would love to offer a full brand assessment and creative brainstorming where we could put together a plan that you can use for your branding and I'll have a special section on my website, mirandapeterson.com slash yoga teacher resource. And so if you feel like you're kind of in a place where you want to take the next step and get your brand started online with a website or with social media, um, I'd be happy to kind of give you lots of feedback and do a brainstorming session so you can take it on yourself and have a blueprint moving forward or working on specific projects. Check out Miranda's Instagram feed at Namaste in Nature and her website, namasteinnature.com. Am I getting these correct? Yes. Uh, you'll see how consistent and visually appealing and um, how much of a message and a feeling that she she puts across in her own branding. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and brainstorming with me and sharing some of your wisdom and your experience on branding for yoga teachers. Definitely. I just, I hope it helps everybody kind of get out of the box and feel inspired to really dive into themselves and their brand and how they want to you know, present themselves to the world. Awesome. Thank you, Miranda. Thanks, Fido. I hope that conversation was helpful to demystify branding a bit for you. And remember to pick up the free download by going to teachingyoga.net slash join and jumping on my email list if you're not already a subscriber. I personally think that branding is both fun and overwhelming, and if you can afford it, I think it's great to hire somebody to help you, but it's also very doable to do it yourself, and even if you do hire someone, it's important to be really involved, so you need to be prepared to do your share of the work, even if there's a professional helping you. For any aspect of your business that isn't currently your zone of genius, I recommend taking action in small, consistent steps. If you overload yourself and try to do it all at once, it's easy to burn out. Believe me, I'm speaking from experience here. And if you only work on things sporadically, that's even more my MO, you waste a lot of time recreating work that you've already done and figuring out where you left off. The solution and the sane approach is to create systems for yourself so that you're supported to take the consistent action that's going to keep moving your business forward. If systems aren't your jam, or if you feel like you need another set of eyes, I highly recommend having a relationship with a coach and or a mentor. I personally have hired several coaches and mentors for different aspects of my business, and I know for certain that I would not be where I am now if I hadn't done so. If you'd like to talk to me about working together, you can set up a phone call at teachingyoga.net slash clarity. I love meeting podcast listeners, and while it's fantastic if we end up working together, if I don't have space in my schedule, or if I think you'd be better off with someone else, I will make recommendations and referrals for you. 
The link again is teachingyoga.net slash clarity to sign up for a complimentary phone call. I also want to let you know about an in-person event coming up September 7th and 8th. I am teaching a full weekend just for yoga teachers on the Yoga Sutras here in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. It will be a mix of practice combined with sutra study specifically focused on how to bring the wisdom from the sutras into your classes. My vision for the weekend is that it feel rich and valuable, but also rejuvenating so that you go back to your classes feeling inspired and filled up. If you want to register for that, there's a really big early bird discount if you register by August 7th. All the details and registration is at ashevillecommunityyoga.com. That's A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E. C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y-Y-O-G-A, long mouthful, AshevilleCommunityYoga.com, and click on the link at the top that says trainings. That's all I got this week. Thank you so much for listening. Even if you get super excited about branding, remember to make time for your personal yoga practice. <laughs>